Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Heather Shorts, triathlete and personal trainer. I am really excited to talk with Heather because she has a great story of overcoming. And because of this overcoming, she has become the athlete and the coach that she is. Whether you are an athlete, a coach, or a clinician, I think you will find the information and story that Heather shares highly valuable. So let's tune in. Heather, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. You are quite welcome. So I'm curious, are you getting nailed by any of that weather right now that's going on? No, it's actually beautiful. It's supposed to be 103 degrees today (laughs) or feel like it's 103. (laughs) Well, that you lucked out then. Awesome. So we talked on the phone and you shared a lot of your story with me and it's a pretty awesome story, I think. Um, what I really wanted to get into is this because it's such a, so much of a story of overcoming and um, there's a lot of mindset involved with it. There's a lot of self-work involved with it. And so I really wanted to dive into some of this story in the fact that, or in the direction of you were not an athlete when you were younger and now you are an athlete, you're a personal trainer, you talk to athletes every single day. And so I really want to dive into how this came about um, and then get into like how this impacts how you train people as well. Okay. Um, well, a little backstory about me. I was 100, 100 pounds overweight. Um, you know, like you said, I was never an athlete in high school. I tried out for the track team, you know, didn't get chosen. My sister got chosen. Um, and I had two doctors tell me that I was a hundred pounds overweight, one at 29 years old and one at 31. So, um, and the one at when I was 31 years old said to me, look, Heather, you're pre-diabetic. Same thing. The first doctor told me you're pre-diabetic. You have high cholesterol. You're headed for heart attack and stroke. When I was 29, I was just like, 29 years old. It really doesn't matter. You know, I didn't care about myself. That was the first thing. I didn't love myself. I didn't know how to, because of all the negativity that I grew up around. I was told I'd never amount to anything. I was never good enough. You know, I was the devil's children because my grandfather didn't like my mother. And, you know, when my parents split, we lived on the farm with them. So anyway, our family, my dad's side, of the family didn't like my mom. And so, you know, we're part of our mother and our father. So anyway, so they just, you know, we never heard anything good growing up. So here I am at 29 years old, sitting here talking to this doctor and he's telling me, you know, you really need to think about how to get yourself in shape. And I'm like, I don't even know where to go. I don't even know what to do. I was a band nerd in high school, you know? Um, so I really did. I just took it lightly. And so I ended up moving from Georgia to Connecticut um, because I lost my job with the state of Georgia home foreclosing, all that good stuff. And so I ended up moving to Connecticut, uh, meeting my husband and we moved to Las Vegas. And um, the doctor again, two years later told me that I was 31 years old, same thing, pre-diabetic, high cholesterol, headed for a heart attack and stroke. But the difference was, um, he sent me to an allergist. I knew I had environmental allergies, but I did not know I had food allergies. So, and that was part of the reason why I was feeling so sluggish and foggy headed and bloated all the time. And after I ate things, um, I didn't know that, you know, it was bloating me, but 
Anyway, before I saw that doctor, I left out a piece. Um, I, when my doctor told me at 29 years old, the first one, to that I needed to do something about it, about my health, I tried the Atkins diet when it was really popular and oh, reducing carbs, all that good stuff. I lost weight, but I didn't keep it off. I bought a Bowflex. I thought, well, you know, this will kind of guide me. I'll figure out what to do. I didn't end up using it as much as what I wanted. I sent it back. Um, so then I tried a Christian way down diet. That didn't work. Um, so the guy that I was dating off and on for like six, seven years would always tell me I was ugly. I was fat. I was no good. So, you know, it brought back memories from when I was a kid. And, you know, again, no self-worth, no self-esteem. So I resu resulted to bulimia. And so my mom and stepfather discovered it because one night we were sitting at the dinner table and I asked to excuse myself. I walked really fast to the bathroom trying not to make it look like obvious uh, that something was wrong. And so I shut and thought I locked the door really fast and here I am hovered over the toilet and my stepfather walks in and he says, today is the day that you're going to get help, you know, because I was so desperate to lose weight. I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. I thought the less I ate, the less I weighed, or if I purged my food, you know, it, it would make a difference somehow. Actually, it was not so good for my digestive system. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not know at the time. So today... <laughs> That's where health and nutrition comes in. So anyway, today. Um, so then I started to get help and I saw a psychologist and she really showed me how to see food. Cause I tried to do it on my own and tried to change my perception of food. Hence the Christian way down diet and the Atkins diet. And, you know, right before I became bulimic, one of my friends said, why don't you try the South beach? And I was like, Hey, try it and then I ended up you know getting desperate and resulting to bulimia so anyway and so I ended up overcoming that with the help of a psychologist and a nutritionist and you know just changing my perception of food and my body and how to change it because like I said I, I was clueless I had no no clue what to do so then, like I said, I lost my job at the state of Georgia, home foreclosing, moved to Connecticut, met my husband. We moved to Las Vegas. Um, and so in Las Vegas, this doctor tells me that, you know, same thing, pre-diabetic, high cholesterol. But he had a hunch that something like food allergies was going on. So he got my results back from the allergist. I went and saw him and he said, you know, Heather, you're pre-diabetic, high cholesterol. You're headed for a heart attack and stroke and you're allergic to gluten and corn. Corn is very odd, but you know, corn syrups and everything. So anyway, and so that shocked me in and of itself. And he's like, Heather, you really need to do something. I'm like, I'm just 31 years old. You said I'm headed for a heart attack and stroke, but really I'm 31. And so the next thing he said to me was very profound. And he looked at me straight in the eyes and he cared. That was the first thing that made the biggest difference. But he said, Heather, you're like a 60 year old on the inside that does not take care of themselves. Even though you're 31 years old, <laughs> you are really close to having a heart attack and stroke. And so it scared me. My husband was with me and we joined the gym the next day, <laughs> the next day, you know, as a family. And, um, 
So that's, that's how I got started pretty much. Um, and then we ended up meeting this trainer at the gym. She came and asked my best friend and I, cause we were on the treadmills. <laughs> it was funny. I was like, Oh, that looks cool. I want to try that. And you know, she was on the JV swim team and track team when she was younger. So I thought she could like, kind of like guide me and show me things to do. And you know, cause I know nothing. So anyway, so this trainer basically very nicely comes up to us and asks us, you know, if we knew what we were doing, you know, she could do our consult and assessments and show us where our fitness level is at. So we did all that. We set up those two appointments with her. I took the personal training package home to my husband. Well, the next day he calls me and he says, Hey, I'm going to be a little late. I said, okay. And he said, um, so he calls my best friend over. She comes over and I'm like, Hey, what's up? She's like, Frank called me over. So 10 minutes later he calls me. He says, all right, put dinner on. So he shows up and he shows up with a personal training package. He surprised us both with, because we were walking our neighborhood besides walking on the treadmill and walking our neighborhood. We, I didn't know what to do. So that's how my journey got started. That's <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to unpack right there, but um, yeah. Uh, and you know, as we started working with her, she said to us, well, why don't you, you ladies think about an athletic goal to something, take your mind off the nutrition, because when you start on a fitness journey, little did I know you have to incorporate the exercise into your lifestyle. It's behavior change, it's mindset, it's, you know, balance, what we call, you know, balance as, um, trainees, athletes. And so anyway, as we were fitting that in and really um, changing the way we ate, or I was forced to change the way I ate, my best friend, she was like 350 pounds and I was 240. And so um, she said, come back with an athletic goal. I was like, girl, no athlete. I just want to feel good, continue losing weight, feel good and look good. You know, because foggy headedness was going away. The sluggishness was going away. I was starting to feel better, have more energy, feeling the effects of it. So I, I had to be to work at nine. So some mornings, if I had two workouts to do, I would get up at, you know, four in the morning. So anyway, we came back the next week and said to our trainer, well, what about a 5k, a 10k, a half marathon? And she's like, well, I'm training for this triathlon. And I'm like, triathlon? What is that? <laughs> She's like, oh, it's just a swim, a bike, and a run. She swam in college and ran in college and rode her bike to, to school, you know? So it was nothing to her. And I was like, girl, for one, I don't know how to swim. Two, I fell off my bike when I was a kid. And three, I wasn't chosen for the track team. So good luck. <laughs> my best friend, she was like, oh, great. Let's have fun. Let's do it. And I'm like, you guys go right ahead. And so she ended up talking me into it. <laughs> um, and so we're training for this triathlon, you know, trying to fit in the training, you know, and, and one of the big things I learned is that you have to, you know, you have to learn this is an investment in yourself. When you hire a trainer or when you hire a coach, you're not investing in them. You're, yes, you're investing in them to teach you how to manage your lifestyle, how to manage your workouts, you know, um, 
when to fit it in, how to listen to your body. Um, cause I knew nothing about that. Um, so I fell in love with training cause I saw the weight come off and we're training for this triathlon and you know, little did I know, unbeknownst to me, you could do overtraining. So I got my first injury because I just, I, I love the way I felt. I love the way I looked and, you know, so balance is a huge, huge key into, um, you know, we, we're not the pros. That's the first thing I learned is, you know, I guess because I wasn't given a chance to be an athlete when I was younger, my passion as an adult came out because I looked the, my best and I felt the best I had ever felt out my whole life, you know? So, um, a huge key is, is balance and, and, uh, getting to know your body, listening to your body. I love two things you just brought up, which is the investing in yourself and the overtraining and balance. Cause it's two things yes. we just don't, one, it doesn't get talked about enough, but two, it's yeah. just something that's overlooked as far, especially in the investing in yourself. Um, cause people see coaches or trainers or, you know, just fitness centers, gyms, whatever, and see this big expense, this number, um, and just get, you know, don't want to pay that number forgetting that it's truly themselves that they're investing in and how much is, you know, how much are you worth essentially? Exactly. How much are you worth? And yes, I, it's like, I tell my clients to this day that, you know, I believe in giving quality service, you know, yes, you're paying me X amount of dollars, but you know, you want to feel like you're getting quality, but yes, overtraining is, and as a trainer and a coach now, you know, seeing uh, other people on the verge of overtraining, I'm like, you, you know, you really need to take a day off. Your body is giving you these, these hints. And I'll use myself as an example, because as we've been talking about, I'm uh, overcoming a uh, hamstring strain, you know, and I'm realizing what I was doing. But also at the same time, when your body is telling you, okay, I've had enough today, you know, this is enough because we, we have extra stressors in life, such as job, family balance, you know, um, training is about balance. If your body is telling you to sleep in today, you need to get that extra hour of sleep. So you can, you're in your next workout the next day or two, you know, um, feel good. And, and feel, feel like you are ready to work out, to go give it your all if it's a hard day, if it's an easy day, as well as being an athlete. I find myself like my legs want to run faster sometimes on my easier days and I have to slow them down consciously in my runs, tell myself, no, this is easy. Even though my legs feel great today, when I go do that next hard run or that next hard bike or swim, you know, or strength training, I, my body today needs the recovery, the active recovery. And I find that that's what a lot of people are missing. They, they, I think as adults, because we have more stress, uh, we have, we get, we get addicted to training. We, we fall in love with it, as I say, and you, um, you tend to, as endurance athletes, we tend to not listen to our bodies and just be like, oh, well, you know, I'll recover later. I'll put my feet up. No, if, if after your warm up you don't feel good, 
you need and you start to feel something's off you need to stop call it a day turn around go back you know let your body recover nutrition is huge with that too so <laughs> definitely how do you when you're dealing with your athletes that you're training we all deal with those people who just refuse to rest refuse to shut down it's like pulling teeth in order to get them to take a break how do like what are some tricks that you use in order to really get them to understand like your body needs a break you're not working out today that sort of thing um the biggest key i say is communication and your clients really have to trust you but the the thing i i use myself as an example with them i'm like look you don't want to end up with a hamstring strain you don't want to you don't want to cause yourself to be out longer or down any longer than what you want to be because I think recovery, because for one, we're so busy with life and we have everything at our fingertips now with technology, we want everything instant. So we have to really think about, okay, is it worth really sacrificing an injury? I, I try to um, help my clients see reality. Okay, so is, is getting this workout in important enough for you to injure yourself and be out for six weeks or is it important enough for you to recover put on compression foam roll stretch fit in those little things that are going to matter the most especially if you're not getting those things in i think a lot of athletes because we want to get our workouts in and we want to start our day with energy but if we don't fit in those little things that matter the most with re like recovery and compression, stretching, foam rolling, nutrition, being mindful of those things as well, then you're going to end up injured. So I try to use myself as an example or use another athlete as an example, but if they choose to, and that's the thing, that's the other thing we, we, we have the choice <laughs> as to whether we're going to recover yes. and learn if you haven't been injured, but if you have, then I always remind my athlete, you remember when you, you experienced this injury, you don't want to cause yourself a setback. You have right race, let's say a race in six weeks. Do you, would you obviously need the, the rest, the sleep, the recovery. So let's, let's be smart here and, and recover. Call it smart training. Those are just some of the, the strategies I like to try to, try to use is, is, you know, being real, you know, with them. And I, I think the big thing, one that I use a lot with people is just the longevity thing. Like you're not yeah. here for this one race. You're here because you want to race for the next 20, 30 years. Exactly. And if we push now through this injury or through whatever stress life issue we're dealing with, like we're going to injure ourselves worse be out longer and potentially like have that career ending type injury. Exactly. You know, and even though I wasn't an athlete as a kid, but I tend to think, okay, now I'm 43 years old. I need to think about, okay, I'm in my forties. Um, no, I didn't beat myself because I for athletes. Uh, I have a lot of clients who are former athletes. No, I didn't beat my body up. But like you said, I want to keep racing. Like I see people in their 60s and 70s and 80s. You know, I still want to feel good and look good at 60, at 70. So I try to, you know, like you said, get 
explain to your clients, you know, hey, we're, we're going for, a, this is a lifestyle change. This is not just about, okay, I, I'm doing this one race and that's it. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. We, we want a lifestyle change. We want to keep doing this. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing important too, to kind of keep talking in passing is the importance of addressing the sleep and stress. And there's times like, especially if athletes are plateaued or just aren't performing to what I know they can. It's like, I'll have that conversation, like zero to 10, where's your stress level? Zero to 10, where's your sleep? And -hmm. just really get like an idea of like, if they're eight out of 10 stress, well, no wonder they're not performing well. We need to, you know, let's back down the intensity of workouts, just move and really just focus on maintaining as long as the stress level is high and just really diving into that because uh, you know, I can say from personal experience all of last year, dealing with a lot of stress, like I was not even close to hitting my weights that I used to be able to hit. And, uh, so I just kind of got to the point that I'm like, we're just going to go, we're going to show up. We're going to do the best I can today based on what my body's going to let me do. Um, you know, until all this stress, de- um, de- goes down. And that's just really something that we need to keep in mind when dealing with people or as us as athletes dealing with ourselves is that stress and sleep matters. Yes. And every workout is not going to be perfect. Um, You know, you're not going to hit the same numbers every time, you know, and because of those factors, that's what, you know, people have to remember. I even have to tell myself, okay, today, how is my body just didn't want to hit those numbers today for, you know, my swim or my bike or my run, you know, my strength training, my body's just saying, okay, I need, I need a little rest right now. Yeah, definitely. And being mindful and listening to your body is definitely the key in that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I want to dive into goals a little bit um, because so many people focus on the number aspect as far as like, I want to get down to this weight or this body composition or, you know, it's always this number that's in their head. Mm-hmm. And I think people have so much more success if they do, which is why the trainer did this to you is why if you have that athletic goal, because if you're just trained for a number, it's going to frustrate you all the, all day. But if you're actually training for some other bigger outcome, um, it's so much easier to stay motivated. Yes. Um, So like goal setting, let's say, for example, uh, I have a client who has a goal of weight loss, period, that comes in. And so what we'll do is we'll work on those little things like we were talking about, like prepping. How much time do you really have to prep? you know, for the week so that that is out of the way, or can you do it midweek and over the weekend instead of like one of my clients said, I don't have five hours. I realize I'm, I'm prepping all afternoon on Sunday for five hours and I can't do that. Okay. So can we, can we fit that in during the middle of the week? Um, so I always say that small goals mm-hmm. lead to big results. We have this big overall goal of, of weight loss, but weight loss is not just the scale. Um, for example, I had a client today. She said, my clothes are fitting better. I, I weighed myself, but I'm up one pound. I said, but that could be one pound of muscle. You said that your clothes are fitting better, that you're, you're leaning out, that your body composition is changing. And that is what matters more than anything. Because when I was losing weight, I used to weigh myself a lot. 
And I had to overcome that addiction of seeing that number go down because I was so desperate to lose weight. And I think a lot of people get addicted to the scale. Mm -hmm. So we have to take our minds off the scale by setting those little goals. Um, Nutrition. When can I get my workouts in? How much time do I have to work out each day? Because I always tell my clients, look, whether it's a personal training client or an athlete, okay, let's look at the reality of your life. How many days do you have to work out and what duration? So fitting that in as well, you know, setting those little goals, they're going to help make that big macro goal, not easier, but those behavior change, uh, behavior changes that we need to go through, you know, like uh, um, I say training sometimes is more emotional than just physical, like letting go of what someone has said to you in the past or how you feel or how you see yourself, you know? So those, those are a lot of, there's a lot of little things that you can work on to achieve that big goal. Definitely. And breaking things down into those smaller pieces, I think is so important because if you, I have a client right now that I'm working with that we're taking baby steps because we have to make a lot of changes over, over time. But yeah, if you can't all of a sudden, if someone's like eating 500 calories a day because they don't want to gain weight and you need to increase them to 2000, it's like, you can't do that overnight. That's not even possible. Um, and so it's even just making those incremental changes of like, let's just add in water and let's work on getting like one more snack a day or, you know, yeah. whatever it is, but just these small little changes and over time, we see this big growth of success. Absolutely. Because if we stay focused on, let's say, I have an athlete who is trying to decrease her run pace, but explaining to her, look, it's not just speed work. Yes, we all love speed work because it's interval training. Who doesn't <laughs> love interval training? That's when you can just go lay it all out there, right? <laughs> training your mind and your body for race day. But... Um, also those, the recovery, the nutrition, fitting in those little things that are going to help that hard day, help you, um, after your warm up, feel really good and be like, all right, I'm ready. Let's, let's go. And, and also like with runners, you have your watches now <laughs> and um, we get obsessed with seeing that number instead of, okay, is my, are my arms driving back? Is my head forward, my core engaged? How are my legs feeling? Do they feel like they're all over the place or, you know, paying attention to your form, like those easy days, those easy runs are, I tell people take one ear, butt out, listen to your foot strike. If one is hitting the ground harder than the other, we've, we've got an imbalance there and, you know, we got, we got to look at technique, you know? Mm -hmm. So focusing on those little things that are going to help those hard days make the biggest difference is what matters. I think the most, you know? Yeah, definitely. I also like you brought up the fact that something I talk about with my athletes a lot is that the scale may not go down, but if your clothes size goes down, like we're making that progress. Absolutely. Because the whole fat weight or, you know, muscle weighs more than fat, but it's denser and all that. Um, and so that's a big thing. I think that we need a, a different focus with athletes is like, let's not work, worry about the number on the scale, but let's just worry, like, look at how your clothes is fitting differently. Are people noticing that your clothes is fitting differently? Are you having to go buy new clothes? You know, all that, those details. Absolutely. 
So let's kind of start um, closing it out a little bit. Just kind of want, from your perspective as an, both as an athlete and a trainer, someone who's kind of been told all their life that they can't do whatever activity, that they're not an athlete, that, and so they're now scared to even get started. Like, what are some uh, tips or words of advice you could give them? One, take it one day at a time. One day, one step, one goal at a time. It, that is so important. Like in the beginning, after my doctor scared me, I dove in way too fast and I started to, uh, to be honest with you, over supplement. I started to, uh, you know, want to supplement. And my trainer was like, whoa, hold up. You know, you may not need this. Our bodies need certain supplements, but we don't, you do not take, don't take away your food and add a shake to it at better food, add cleaner food, add, take away the sugar, make the sugar better, cane sugar instead of white sugar, you know, just those little things that are going to make the biggest difference are what really matters. You know, just don't give up. It gets frustrating. You know, those negative thoughts come back. And as you become successful, I was scared of success, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I was really scared of success because of you know, told I was, I would never amount to anything that I was no good. I wasn't smart. Um, you know, uh, that I was fat, ugly, you know, just, and liking what you see in the mirror for the first time and actually keeping that weight off is a, is one of the biggest accomplishments I would say, you know, that I have had. It, yeah, I've been on Team USA two years in a row for triathlon and duathlon. Those are great accomplishments, but the fact that I've been able to to uh, keep the weight off and have that balance, and you know, hold myself back as an athlete, be like, okay, look, you're you're you know, we need we need recovery here, or you know, uh, you know, just balance. That's the biggest thing is balance with everything. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Heather, thank you so much for your time today. If someone wants to follow you, reach out to you, um, how can they find you? You can go to 2020customfitness.com. You can take this five-minute assessment, um, and then you get a free 30-minute strategy call with me. You can put yourself on my calendar. Um, that is my website. Uh, I have a Facebook page called Joy, J-O-Y through T-H-R-U fitness. Um, same thing with Instagram and Twitter, joy through fitness. You can follow me. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you talking to me and my listeners today. Have an awesome rest of your day. You too. Thank you. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>